for me, your confidence is based off of who you are and your skills and abilities, not just skills and abilities, but being yourself while you deliver and display who you are on the field. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you are listening to this episode. I'm just so happy you're here. Hey, I'm Ashley Burkhart Agle, and we have a deep, exciting conversation on the podcast today about how to stay optimistic when things don't go your way, slumps and how to get out of them, how to create a growth mindset to set yourself up for success and how parents can help build a strong foundation and relationship with their athlete with the founder and CEO of The Formula, Lane Farmer. Lane built The Formula, and it is a platform that uses sport to inspire, encourage, and build the individual behind the athlete through mindset, character, and mental skill development in pursuit of excellence. Whew, that's some heavy stuff, but some great stuff. He said, to pursue excellence, you need the two Ps, process and performance. And we are going to be diving into both of those things heavily today. Here's a bit of what you can expect from this episode. Advice that Lane learned from a teammate that he'll never forget. He almost quit the game, but shares how he kept playing and why he kept playing. Slumps and how he can come out of them better. The difference between your brain and your mind and why it's important to know the difference. Self-talk and how you can control your thoughts to help you perform better. A great definition of confidence and how to attain it more. Why I believe COVID was so hard on all of us and our confidence and what we can do about it now. The biggest lesson the sport of baseball taught Lane, and it's a really, really good answer. Parents, what not to say to your athlete that doesn't help them and what you can start saying to help them grow and build their own confidence. How not to get defensive when you receive criticism, but using it to help you. What you can start doing today to start mastering your mindset and of course, so much more. You're probably going to need a notebook for this one because he drops so many fire one-liners here. All right, let's welcome to the pod one of the most enthusiastic coaches in our game, Lane Farmer. Let's go. Uh, Lane, you you scared me when we first jumped on the Zoom because you screamed about how excited you were for this conversation. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm fired up about this topic, so I'm super pumped to be here. Yes, absolutely. That wasn't my goal, but... I'm glad that you felt the enthusiasm. <laughs> to scare me? Yeah. No, I, I loved it because you're super passionate about what you do. And everyone prior to this got to learn a little bit about you and your story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to hear it from you. I want you to share a little bit about your high school journey and your college baseball journey and what led you to the work that you do now. Can we start there? Absolutely, we can start there. Um, yeah, let me dive in. So I uh, went to a small private high school and it all started with me with playing sports and different sports and trying to figure out you know what was i good at what did i like and i actually had a big fear when it came to conditioning and these different aspects of development i actually wasn't that serious into it at that time but freshman year it started when i went to try out for baseball and immediately a coach came up to me and told me hey you're not gonna make varsity so the Mm. next best thing that happened was the jv coach coming up to me for baseball and saying, you're a pretty stocky guy. You ever tried catcher before? And I was like, nope. 
And uh, he asked me if I want to go back there. And I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Didn't know what the heck I was doing, uh, but I was interested enough to kind of go see what was going on and put the gear on somebody else's gear and found out I had a couple strong qualities and did okay throwing the ball down. I actually enjoyed uh, blocking and the feeling of doing those different things. So then it kicked off into me starting to get a little bit more serious about, hey, can I go do something here? So for me, it started with a curiosity of finding something I actually liked, which is a big basis of, I think, what a lot of athletes can resonate with. If you don't like it, it's going to be hard to get connected to it. So once you try something and you kind of get a little curious about, hey, I've got some strengths here. I wonder if I can capitalize on that. That's where it started for me. Um, and then fast forward, I had uh, some friends transfer to my high school junior year that had an indoor facility and they started talking about college recruiting and they wanted to play at the next level. I was like, what the heck is that? What goes into that? Um, and I just followed them over to their facility and started to train a little bit, do some kind of catching lessons. I started catching one of the pro uh, guys that was doing lessons over there. I caught for him just to kind of get better at it. And when I started to kind of kick in that development of learning how to improve and see what I could do, started to get more detailed in the process of these little things about how to frame and do these specifics, I started to see myself get better. And then that started to increase the curiosity level. So from there, went to a couple of showcases things, which I know a lot of parents can relate to traveling all over, spending your time, energy and money going to these things. Is this what I should be going to? Is this what I should be going to? And did enough and had enough defensively as a catcher. That's where I kind of stood out to get a couple schools noticing me. I did not have a lot myself. I had a couple of junior colleges and I had one four-year school that was division two school. So I thought, you know, you should go to the four-year school. So I committed to a division two school in West Virginia, went out there. And when I got there, my mentality was no one could tell me I wasn't going to get drafted. I was super serious about it. I was super toned or super dialed in with, you know, I'm going to try and get to that professional level. I don't care what anyone says. And the first experience at my first school was off. It was, it was an environment that wasn't geared towards wanting to be driven to get better. It was a bunch of people partying, getting in trouble. And I quickly noticed that this went against who I am. And this is not where I want to spend one of my years. And I left after one semester. So after I did that, I called one of the other schools that was um, trying to recruit me at junior college. And what actually happened, Ashley, was I went home over Christmas break because I left without going to having my next school set up. So after one semester, I'm over Christmas break, meeting with one of my buddies in high school to throw with. And in walks, the day we went up there, Ashley, was the day a showcase camp was actually setting up at my high school. And no the, guy, the guy walking in remembered me and started asking, hey, how's it going? And I was like, it's actually going not so well. He asked me mm. what happened. I told him. And he's like, well, what were some other schools that were recruiting you? And he called him up. And then within a week, I went and transferred over. So there was, there was like this revelation of being in the right place at the right time. And just continuing to work hard can kind of set you up for doors to open. So I was just going up there to play catch with my friend. And luckily, he was coming in. So I go over there, transfer in the middle of the season, fought for some playing time. And during these processes of me going through my college career, it just kind of seemed like I couldn't find a home. It was all these obstacles that were coming at me. And it got to the point where after I left my second school at the junior college, we were looking to go to another school that I committed to. And then I backed out last second, didn't feel right. And then again, I was sitting with my life, not knowing what the next step was and very, very upset with the game. Didn't want to play the game. Didn't want to watch the game. I was looking at schools to go to just for school, about to give up on it. And then I had a moment where I was holding a baseball in my hand, actually, and thinking about all the time that I put into it, the effort. And the reason why I started was a different reason why I finished. So as mm. I went through my seasons of playing baseball, I was very, I want to get drafted. I want to do all this stuff. And then I couldn't find a home. I was getting frustrated. And then I actually switched why I wanted to continue playing, which was much more of like, I started this thing. I still think I can improve. I can get better and I can find a home. I can finish. My parents put a lot of time and effort into to supporting me. Um, and then I called a school that I told no to and asked him if he still had a position available. And he basically told me, like, yeah, you can come here. Like, no problem. Like, go ahead. And he didn't make me like have to come out and visit or doing that stuff. So it felt like to me it was an opportunity for me to prove to myself, you know, if I want to go do this thing, I need to go show up and show out uh, in order to earn a spot. So I go up there in the, in the middle of the spring season of my junior year in college, 
trying to earn some time, battle for some time, had some things happen. And then my senior year was the year for me to walk into a starting role and see how I could do. And when I was first given that opportunity, I'm not going to waste it. I, I looked back at my whole entirety of what was going on, uh, bouncing around from home to home, all this stuff I was facing. And obviously, fasting, you know, fast forwarding over a lot of specific incidences, adversity myself. And we did awesome. Our coach brought, brought a fantastic team together. We made our World Series run at the Division Three level. We set a lot of school records, um, individual things for myself as well. So looking back, my story was one of just, you know, why am I doing this thing? And just if you cannot, if you can just keep going, if you can persevere and be resilient enough, you might actually surprise yourself with what you think can happen. It's a lot of what I try to talk about with athletes. Like, what do you want? What do you think can happen? And what do you want to happen are two completely different things. And if you have a desire, if you want it enough, you can surprise yourself with what you think was the cap, you know what I mean, of what was going to happen. So I did get to a point, actually, in my in my career where I was like, I don't think the MLB is going to happen. Reality starts to set in a little bit. But that didn't mean that what I was about to do and try to accomplish with what I wanted wasn't meaningful for me and wasn't and was going to impact me a certain way that I could leave um, once I'm done baseball feeling fulfilled and accomplished with what I did. So I know I just spoke for a second, but that was the gist of everything I, I was going through. I had no idea what I was doing. I was curious enough to look into it. I applied myself with hard work consistently and my why changed to more of just, can I just finish this thing? Can I, can I do what I wanted to do in terms of see this thing through? And when I did that, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't stop because I wouldn't have experienced my little world series run with the team and the guys and now still having relationships with those guys being able to look back in the in the friendships and things bonds that we built so yeah there it is throwing at you right there so that's kind of an overall perspective so would you say that the adversity that you experienced is something you're grateful for now uh 100 um i don't believe that without adversity you can't really figure out or find out what your true self is capable of the adversity moments, the obstacles, the struggles, they sting the most. But when they sting the most, if you let yourself draw your attention to it, it usually has the biggest lesson in it. So the things that sting the most have the biggest things you can learn. And those are the things that I think are actually meaningful to us as athletes and as people to overcome. You know, the stuff that's easy, like the stuff that we're already good at, um, I don't think that's as fulfilling to do well in the stuff that you're already good at. But when you have something pop in front of you that's seemingly frustrating, I can't figure it out. If you keep going at it, I think that's where you're like, I just put a ton of time into overcoming this obstacle and I feel awesome about it. And that's usually more meaningful than the success of getting hits or the success of winning the game. But when you look at something that's been a weakness of yours for the past six months and you were committed to a process of working hard on that, finally improving that little mechanic that was bugging you for a long time, that could be someone's adversity that they overcome. Mm -hmm. For somebody else, it might be a different mountain that they got to climb. But I'm a firm believer in now that I'm looking at the adversity I was facing, that gave me something to work hard for to get over top of, to overcome it. And that's the stuff I care about, like not giving up on these brutal workouts at my first school or something like that, like continuing to fight through that stuff. I'm way more proud of that habit that I've developed over time versus like looking at you know, what hits did I get in certain games and things like that for sure. It sounds like you're describing a growth mindset and it doesn't sound like you had a firm grip on what that was until later on. Would you agree with that? 100%. There was actually a moment at my first school where I learned this through a senior that came up to me. We were doing this awful conditioning situation. And after about two of them, I wasn't going to make it. They were called triangles. If you know triangles, home plate to the right field foul pole across to the left and then back home makes a little triangle. And it was the first day where he was kind of assessing us pro style workout to see everybody was at. I thought it was easy. I'm like, this is college baseball. This is easy, right? Like we're just hitting on the field. I'm catching. He goes, everyone report to home plate. I'm like, what are we doing? Some other guy told me running triangles. Didn't know what that was. And after two of them, I wasn't making the times anymore. And I actually got to a point where I was over near the fence down on my knee and my mindset at the beginning completely changed for the end of practice of like, I don't think I can do this. If this is college baseball, I, I'm not built for this. And I started going there and mm -hmm. 
a senior came up to me and just starts, I've never told him this, by the way, I actually want to reach out to him and tell him how much it changed me. Uh, he comes over and just starts grabbing me and pulling me to the front. And I like ripped his hand off my shirt. I was like, bro. And he's like, dude, let's go. You're coming to the front. I was like, I don't think you're hearing me. No, I'm not. I'm about to throw up. I'm not feeling good. This is a struggle. This ain't for me, man. I'm not built for this. And he just went, if he just wants to see your effort, if you just go finish and go, then that's all you need to focus on doing. And in my head, mm. I knew I had a choice right there to either do that like, and fix my thinking to a growth effort oriented situation here. It's not about making the time. It's about like going for it and just doing what you can, right? Just showing this up. Yep. This will build me. And I didn't make another time. I, f I still felt slightly embarrassed with, I oh, mean, I, I can't believe how out of shape I am and this stuff like that. But that lesson from him to just tell me it's effort driven and effort oriented. I went over there and I, I did it. So from that point on the rest of that semester, no matter how horrible it was or not, I just kept fueling that in my mind with just, just do it regardless of what the times are, or if you fail or whatever, can you be driven enough to just be like that growth mindset. So 100%. So when he came up to me, that changed my perspective 100%. But it was in a moment of adversity that I learned it, right? So that's why it's so important to be like in the moments that suck sometimes. When I was out of breath, when I was, I didn't want it, when I felt like at the bottom of the barrel is the opportunity to make the mindset shift. It's, it is challenging to tell an athlete, this is the way you should think until they're in it and they're struggling and they have that obstacle struggle moment, that is where you actually get to decide and make a different change with how you're going to go about doing it. So that's why I'm like, we need the adversity moments to actually apply what we're doing. Um, so yeah, 100% growth mindset. It's hard to learn it without, without that stuff for sure. Yeah. So this perfect segue, by the way, I was just about to ask you about slumps because mm -hmm. I think you know, some people don't even believe in the term slump. They're like, it's a mindset thing. Like if you say you're in a slump, then that like you're losing. But to me, I think a, we can define a slump. How would you define it? 100%. And it sounds like you already described how you get out of it, but how would you, if there's an athlete listening, who's maybe in a slump, how would you prescribe them to get out of it? 100%. So I think anytime I'm working with somebody, I start with mindsets in general. When I have a new kid, I explain what mindsets are, I explain the brain and the mind and how they're different. And just your How are they different? 100%. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here we go. So the way that I explain it with kids is your brain and your mind. And you've got these two things going on. And your brain is the thing that likes to react to stuff that likes to protect you. So it sends you these emotional signals to actually try to cope and get away from things that feel like a threat. If you're looking at a situation and you're you're giving the story to your brain of this is scary, my opponents are way better than me, and you kind of go down that road, your brain's going to look at it and go, okay, well, we don't like that. So to keep laying from it as a protective way, I'm actually going to send them these nerves and send them these pressure feelings in hopes to actually not get in that situation. And that's kind of how I think everyone's brain's wired, right? So I try to can tell I, wait, kids- can I, can I ask you? Would a situation like the first time we ever stepped in the box of the live pitcher mm -hmm. and like how our reaction is like, we just want to step out and like mm -hmm. run away from the ball, even like an inside pitch. Some of us don't like it because it's close to us. Sure. Is that our brain telling us that? Yeah. So I think when kids get in there and that starts happening and you're paying attention to certain thoughts, right? If you're thinking certain things, if you have a negative spin on it, if you have the wrong storyline attached to it, your brain then kicks in, right? And starts sending you those things. Cause your mind, okay. when your mind, what I'm jumping into is your, your logical thing that you're always in control of. It's operating mm. out of truth, regardless of how okay. you feel. If you're in control of yourself, you can use your mind to make good decisions, right? Regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm just going to think about, okay, I'm feeling nervous. That's my brain trying to protect me. And I'm not going to take it personal brain. Thank you for trying to keep us, you know, protected and all that good stuff. But I know we need to do a job here and my job is to get in front of this baseball field and throw it to first base. That's me logically talking in truth to myself, regardless of what I feel. I know there's a job that I can tell myself to go do. Even now, Ashley, as you're sitting there, for some reason, if you were scared to stand up out of your chair, you know darn well, you could tell yourself to stand up out of your chair. You could use your mind to say, stand up and then you can do it outside of if you felt like standing up or not, right? But your brain might be like, don't stand up. I'm afraid to fall over. And that's when we need to use our mind to go, what's the voice of truth here versus the voice of 
fake storyline that's being made up, you know, protective, reactive. So yeah, when someone steps in the box and they're like, I don't want to get hit or whatever, that's your brain trying to tell yourself, yeah, we could get hit. So let's not get in the box. But that's where you have to go with your mind. That self-talk is always mind-driven, logical truth. We're like, yeah, I could get hit, but if I get hit, it's not going to kill me, right? I know how to turn my back and I start talking in truth, right? Like I'll turn my back if it's coming at me, but right now I need to think about timing this pitch up, swinging at a good pitch and doing my job because that's more meaningful than what my brain's trying to keep me from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I try to get kids to understand, don't take it personal when you feel emotions coming in. And again, the adversity factor, I try to get kids to understand those voices that come in from your brain is an opportunity for you to live into who you want to be and overcome them. Don't listen to them, right? Take control of your mind. Show yourself that, yeah, that's an opportunity for me to continue living in alignment with my mind and who I'm trying to be logically every single day or every single moment on the field. So when I hear the voices come in, Ashley, even as we're coaches and stuff, am I good enough? Am I a good coach and all that stuff? I'm like, it's just another chance for me to live in alignment with what I know is true. So we always want to mm -hmm. operate out of truth, right? So I'm thankful for the brain and keeping me safe. Thank goodness. So if a bear is trying to attack me, I will run away from it. But when it comes to doing the things that we know we want to do and accomplish, that's when we have to rise above that. And I try to get, again, these kids to understand, take control of your mind. So I knew we took a segue there. So Sorry, I I really enjoyed it though. I will say I'm kind of, I'm very glad we went that way. Yes. But yeah, well, we can get back to slumps now. Yes, yes. So that being said, um, when it comes to slumps, I start with mindset and I try to break things down for them in general mindsets. We've got mindset and then we got mental performance skills and the things that you're trying to learn um, to help you unlock your physical skills and stuff like that. Mindsets in general are just kind of how you see anything. What are the labels that you have attached to anything? So when you have a slump come up, the first thing I'm doing with an athlete, well, what do you think a slump is? Because until I know what he's got going on with his definition of it, I don't really know how to steer him or kind of unlock the new mindset we're going to build. So Good if point. he's like, well, I think a slump is I I'm terrible. I haven't had a hit in 20 days. I think there's a problem. Okay, well, I'm like, well, why do you think that? And I want to get him to tell me, the main why of why he thinks slump is that definition. So that way we can start actually going, well, do you think that's true? Like, is that true? How many athletes tell you, Ashley, I think my teammates think I'm terrible or my coach thinks I suck, or I think my parents think I'm, I'm terrible after every rep. And I'm like, well, has anyone come up to you and actually told you that? Number one, like, has anyone, has your teammate come up to you and said this? And it'll be like, no, but I see them maybe make some body language stuff. I'm like, okay, well, how are you taking that body language? You know, how, what's the framework you're doing in your mind, what's the storyline you're building up? What's your mindset towards it? But anyway, so I'll sit there and talk about what do they think a slump is? Ask them if that's true. Is that the storyline that they want to make up in their own mind? If you could craft it in your head for slump, do you want slump to be a real thing or do you want slump to not be a thing? Up to you, bro. You decide in your own world because until someone told you that not getting hit was a bad thing multiple times, you were just out there doing it. Right. So until you started crafting a story based off of what people tell you or what you see going on, the more important thing is you're in control of whatever storyline you want to make up. You can have slump be there or not have slump be there. But since it is mm -hmm. a term out there, we talk about it. My definition of a slump is when you allow the things that are not going the way you want to to affect your belief within yourself. Now we've got something going on where you might be going down this road of I'm not a good athlete. I think I'm terrible. There's a problem with my mechanics when in reality, what it is, is just things just not going the way you want to a bunch of times, right? Things don't go the way we want to a bunch of times, whether they're stacked up next to each other or not. The problem is once they happen in a row, athletes start to go, it's been a while since I've gotten a hit. But in reality, you might've gone one for two. You still had something not go the way you want to in that game. And then maybe you had two more games where you went 0 for 2, and then the next game 3 for 3 or 3 for 4, you're having things not go the way you want to. It's when a kid goes 0 for, for 5 games that they go, I'm in a slump. But in reality, I'm like, is that true? Or did you line out a couple times to someone? It just doesn't count on the on the surface, on the scorecard, right? And stuff like that. Or have you had quality of bats? How are we measuring your success on the field? If we change that, it might change when you think you're in a slump or not. If you're running hard, if you're putting the ball in play, if you're doing these things, am I really in a slump? You know what I mean? So I start with identifying what's your mindset towards slump? What's the story that your perspective on slump? Is that what you want it to be or not? Is it hurting your positive and productive action? 
right? If it's hurting you to take positive productive action in your performances, we got to renegotiate and recreate and reframe what slump is to you. Um, but that being said, I do kind of have a little system that I help kids walk through to bring themselves back to let's go take positive and productive action. If you want me to walk through that. Can we hear it? Yeah, let's yeah, go. Absolutely. So the first thing I'll do is I'm like, okay, this kid thinks he's in a slump. We do that little thing we just talked about. Is that real or not? Is that truth and logic or not? Once we kind of talk about that, that usually helps set the tone a little bit. But the first thing I do is I'm like, step one with a slump, let's start with your confidence and where that based off of. For me, your confidence is based off of who you are and your skills and abilities, not just skills and abilities, but being yourself while you deliver and display who you are on the field. Um, that's where we start. And then we kind of dive back into, have you been working consistently throughout the week to improve your skill and ability and everything that I'm diving into with the confidence thing to help them remember what they're capable of, but authentically deliver yourself out there, the truth stuff mm -hmm. and logic based in that. So that's where I'm always can, starting. Can I just say, I really love that about being yourself because yeah. I think everybody has their, their own definition of confidence and like you, I, I love your definition of it. I don't think I've ever heard it on the podcast of just like outrageously being who you are yep. and then going and delivering the game. Like it's, it's crazy that that's what the definition is because a yep. lot of people would say confidence is being able to, you know, get the job done. But like, why do you get the job done? Because yep. you believe in yourself because yep. you know and trust in your own abilities. Sorry. I had, I had to say Thank you for that in, definition because it's, it's um, so good. Because the thing is, Ashley, like with confidence, we believe and not believe things sometimes. You know what I mean? There's, there's times where you doubt where you believe something and then you don't believe something. And your belief and your confidence, it's not a feeling. It's a state of mind. I know I've heard that before. I'm sure you might have heard that. It's you be confident instead of feel confident. Kind of like we were talking about the brain and the mind thing, right? You're not going to always feel like doing it. But the thing about it is... I try to get them to understand at the end of the day, whether it goes the way I want to or not, if I lose, if I strike out, if things don't go the way I want to, what am I leaving with them? Like they're going to understand that they just faced off against Lane in this box. Who is Lane and what does that look like in my actions and my behaviors? And when I'm firm on that, if I don't get the outcome, but I held in alignment to who I am on the field, I can at least walk away with my frustration knowing like I went down my way. If I lose today, we're mm. going down being me. I'm not going to go get a hit being somebody I'm not. I don't think that's a successful thing. If you're constantly being the class clown out there, having success, being something you're not, trying to impress people or prove to other people that you can have this image of yourself that's being created by everybody else, I don't think that's success. I'd rather go strike out being me and walk back to the dugout knowing today I brought me authentically and it didn't go the way I want to today. All right, so I'm going to go back to work tomorrow and I'm going to go out and be me again. If you're being you all the time, even when the challenge in front of you is above what your skills and abilities can do, I can walk into uncertainty, understanding my character is going to grow from this and I'm going to get in the box because that's who I am, right? So I try to start with the character at the center of everything that I do with these athletes, align that, they create it. And that is in, in, in itself, I think, powerful and empowering for an athlete to go like, I'm scared to get in this box, but my character is someone that steps into scary situations. I'm going in, right? And if I lose, it's more about them getting in the box than getting the outcome, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's a choice. So, I like that. Yes, I'm all about that. So there's my tangent on confidence. So I start there and I'm, a, I'm reminding them, well, who are you and who are you trying to be? And what is your skills? Did your skills disappear overnight? I don't think so. You had four hits three days ago. Does that, did your mechanics just fly out the window? So logically just going like, that's not how it works, man. So we start with that skills. Where did, the, did those disappear? No. And have you been working on them? Yes. Okay, great. That means you have the skill and ability didn't disappear. And have you been in alignment with who you are? Yes. Okay, cool. So you can be confident now walking into the next thing. And then the second thing that I jump into is responsibility. So we can go slump mode all day and go victim and go, you know, the world's against me right now. It's the, there's nothing I can do. Or you can sit there and go, okay, let's adjust the strategy here. What can I do to actually improve my situation? Am I getting my pitchers timed up well? Am I paying attention to parts of the game that can give me more information to do well? So I'm very skeptical when it comes to an athlete getting into the slump thing because I think it takes some victim style thinking. 
versus like, well, what can I do about this? Because that's a huge part of being athletes is what can I do to give myself the best chance? Because nothing is guaranteed, as you know, Ashley. So that second thing of responsibility is like, well, if you don't like the way things are going, what can you do? What adjustments mm-hmm. can you make strategy IQ wise? Can you Are you drawing your attention to the right things when you're in the box? Like, what are you thinking about? So that second mm-hmm. piece is to establish them to take action, that positive productive action to make a change. Remember yeah. who you are, remember your skills and abilities and do something about it. That's number two. Don't sit there and go, I'm in a slump. I'm over 20. I think I'm terrible. No, I haven't been getting the things go the way I want to. What am I going to do about it? And again, it reverts back to the character. Who do you think you are? Do you want to be someone that does something about it? Or do you want to be someone that sits back and points fingers about why the world's against you and everything's just falling on? There's a cloud over my head today. So that's why I started yeah. character. And then it goes into responsibility. Anything on that one? That one makes sense? I call that one, personally, I call it ownership. Mm-hmm. It's just owning the failure, right? Like instead of like you were kind of giving examples of excuses, like oh, like the ra- the rain affected me. Okay, well the rain's affecting the other team too. But like just being able to own the failures, own also the successes, and that I mean that bleeds into more confidence, I think too. But yeah, I I like that, like doing something about it. Taking a super quick break from this episode to do a podcast review. We haven't done this in a while, but I found this one on Apple Podcasts from Chad NH, and he titled it Honest, Actionable, Disruptive. Found it pretty fitting for this episode, to be honest. (laughs) He said, Ashley covers a wide variety of topics on her podcast, and whether you are a player, parent, or coach, you will be hard-pressed to find one that doesn't leave you motivated with specific actions to make yourself better. Dang, Chad, it's like you read into my mind. This is why this podcast exists. I'm so grateful for the the minute or two that you spent writing this review because it helps me get to know you better. And that's, I built this episode for you, the listener. So one of the best ways that you can help this podcast grow is by leaving a review like Chad did. Maybe it took him a minute, maybe it took him a few, but it truly is one of the biggest ways to help support this podcast and to get more ears listening to this podcast. So if you really like it, please leave me a review. It means the absolute world. And who knows, I might be shouting out you in a future episode. Thanks again, Chad. All right, let's head back to the show. COVID was really hard on so many athletes. And I truly believe it's because action was hard to find at that time because we were stripped from our teams. We were stripped from, you know, just going to school, interacting with people. And like, it was so easy to just turn on Netflix or jump on our phones and just like not do anything. And so would would you agree with that? Like I've had that thought and I keep rehabbing that thought about how hard, you know, COVID was on so many and how... So many athletes found themselves depressed, uh, so not just athletes, but like everyone. And I think it's because like we weren't taking action. We didn't have opportunities to take action. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that, again, could be an adversity moment. COVID was an adversity moment, a chance to see what am, am I going to, can I do anything in this situation? Is there anything I can do? And you and I could sit here and come up with a million drills off the wall with a tennis ball or, you know, forehands in the basement or something. So there's, I think there's always something that you can be doing to move the needle in the direction where you're trying to go to put the stock into the green. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. and do, even if it's a little thing, you know, and I think when you start doing, as you know, you're taking um, ownership, like you said, responsibility, which shows you value what you do and who you are when I take that action on doing it. And I, I do think there's always something that you can do about it. Even if it doesn't look like it's a huge step, I think there's always something to do. And I, I agree with you, though. I think they were, we're so used to the environment showing up to practices and maybe a lot of kids not doing the things that they need to do in their own time. And that was a wake-up call for some people to go, you know what, I'm not like working as much on my own than I should. You know, maybe I should take a little bit more ownership over that part of my development for sure. Cool. Okay, so responsibilities number two. Where do we go next? This next one is more of the like action and expect. So I say lower expectations. So yeah. what can happen is in the slump, Things aren't going well and we start to press for hits or we start to need them, right? And we're going into this, I'm 0 for the last 19. I have to do something here to turn this thing around. 
and then we start showing up in the box different, right? Like really being antsy or tight. And I'm like, let's lower expectations because when you lower expectations, you lower pressure. If I'm telling an athlete you have to hit a home run, that's a little bit more pressure filled than put the ball in play, right? So right. what I do is I use a term to say, if I can just do this, this is what I give the athletes is their little phrase to lower their expectations. If I can just do this. So if you haven't had a hit in a while and you're going up to the plate going, I need to, I need to, I need to. If you can say, you know what, what's that little thing I can just do that's going to make their brain, the things sending you all those signals and emotions, feel a little bit more manageable. If I could just put the barrel on the ball, if I could just see the pitch out of the hand, usually the things that are within your control, if I can just do this little thing, it's going to feel to the athlete uh, a lot more in your control out there. Uh, because our mind can one run wild to the the hits and the outcomes when I feel like I need to press for those things. Does that make sense? So I'll be like, look, man, if you're feeling pressure, let's lower the expectation. And I think a lot of coaches and maybe some parents and even the athletes think it's a bad thing when you hear someone say, I don't want to lower my expectation. That means I'm not shooting for this hard goal or I'm not, you know, aiming for the stars. I'm like, no, 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 no. High standards, low expectations. Have a high yeah. standard for how you perform, but have low expectations for what you think is going to happen. Go out there and do the little things. So if I could just do this in the box, you haven't had a hit in 10, 10 at-bats or something, go up there and just put the ball and play to the right side. See the pitch out of the pitcher's hand because that's going to give you a good chance to have the hit anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So lower the expectation if you feel like you're in a slump. That lowers pressure to feel more manageable on this task that I'm about to do. Yeah, it's like it slumps. I call them like you, you're in this like massive hole, right? You kind of put yourself there, but like to get out of it, you're not gonna be able to jump out. You're too deep. So like you're saying, you know, just one little tiny step like that. That's what we're working for. And then we're going to take our next step. Like it's like we we try, like you say, a lot of people in slumps are just trying to swing harder and now like try to put it over the fence when in reality, you know, just a little single yeah. or just a hard hit ball yeah, hard and hits. doing that and getting that done, that's going to boost your confidence enough to be like, okay, great. I'm hitting the ball hard. Now let's see if I can place it. Like it's just like tiny little things to build upon. And it's, it's so funny because people are like, well, I'm not going to be out of my slump in one swing. No. Are you out of anything in one rep? <laughs> no, it takes a second. But like you're saying, I love that you're just saying it's like these tiny little things yeah. that you can get done. Yeah. Those build up. 100%. And, and again, like, are they even in a slump? This is like the whole, like when you, when you, um, a thought is not a problem until you believe it and convict yourself of it. Right. So me saying to myself, you know, I don't think you should say negative things to yourself, but one bad thought isn't a big deal until you get to a point where you believe it, then it's a problem. Right. So mm. until a, say that again, say that again. One bad thought is not an issue until you believe it, then it becomes a problem, right? Like, so if a kid thinks that they're in a hole and I'm 10 feet deep under the earth, they are now playing in a way to climb out, which is protective defensive stuff, right? Versus are they even in the hole? Like, why do you, that's why I'm like, I start with the mindset because I'm like, why do you think you're in a slump? Because I haven't gotten a hit. Well, is it about getting hits all the time? Is it about the outcome? What's it about? Or is it about your fight in the box? So I try to eliminate the thought process that take them to those things in general. Like if I could have an athlete, if I could create the, the, the best mindset, right? I would always make it about how an athlete battles in the box, regardless of outcomes, right? They're fighting their desire to try. And if that's what it starts and stays at all the time, when they get hits, that's great. And when they don't, it doesn't affect them, right? We're staying neutral. But it's when the athlete already has an attachment to outcomes that when they don't get them, there's a problem I'm in a mm -hmm. hole now because I don't have. And I'm like, well, what do you think the thing is that you should have? Is it hits and stats or is it your fight that you can consistently do in the box every single time? We'll strive to get hits. That'll be the cherry on top. But how are you focused in the box? Are you representing yourself? Are you trying? Are you adjusting? Are you doing what you can do? Um, when you make it about the how, I use one thing, disconnect from the outcomes, connect to the experience, right? So if you're more connected on the how these things are going and you're not as connected to the experience or the uh, connection to the outcome, I think it will help eliminate some of the I'm in a I'm in a slump right now because it never was the goal anyway to get the hit, if that makes sense, Ashley. I, I like that a lot. Now, I know a lot of athletes, they, they get... Two places 
We love our, okay, let me start over. We Go. love our parents. We love our parents so much. Mm-hmm. But there are times, so many times, every athlete can relate to this, where they're trying, they're walking in the box trying to please mom and dad or please their coach or please their teammates. And, you know, obviously we want, our parents want what's best for us. They want us to do well. But like when it gets to the place where the athlete really struggles and finds himself in a slump, maybe because of this. Sure. What can we do about it? For the parents? I mean, on both ends, because like, there might be an athlete listening to this whose parents don't listen mm-hmm. that they're going to have to adjust based on the things that are being said, you know, from the parent or coach. But let's, let's look at both sides. Let's start with the athlete and then let's, let's talk to the parents. Let's see, you know, what they can do to help their athlete, you know, maybe not get to this place. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, it's a tough one because the parents, I don't think understand that they are a leader in their child's development. Like there's a responsibility for the parent to pay attention to how they are coming off to their kid, 100%. I don't think a lot of parents have the awareness that what they're doing is very impactful. What they say, Mm -hmm. how they look on the sidelines and the stands. Jokes that they mention, like, it's just a joke. It's not just a joke. It's not a joke. And as strong as you know as being a coach, everything that comes out your mouth can take an athlete this way or that way. And I think we need to put an emphasis on what we say can really change. Like when that the story I told about the senior coming up to me changed my life, right? For one, one interaction for just pulling me through and then telling me with a short phrase made me question and, you know, have I been thinking the right way? So when you have a kid struggling in the game, he knows he's struggling. Number one, he doesn't need anyone to tell him twice. I don't need anyone to come up to me and tell me I struck out and that feels crappy. So that's important. And what I say might to this kid make him feel like instead of me throwing a life-saving device out there while he's drowning already, I'm walking out and just like pushing him under even deeper, right? With how I, how I talk. And the problem is parents and a lot of coaches at the youth level think what they're saying is helpful by pointing out the wrong thing that they did. I'm just trying to help him improve by making him aware that, you know, he needs to get his hands on the outside corner. And I'll be like, we are talking, we're already working on that, man. You know what I mean? Like we already made that clear. You don't have to repeat over and over again. So I think parents and everyone needs to understand the power of what they say is either helping or hurting my child potentially. Or not not say. Yes, or not saying, not encouraging enough, not supporting, right? I was going to say, or not saying anything in the car on the way home makes your kid literally go, oh God. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, um, I think even even being silent is hurtful sometimes. 100%. So there's the extreme in that department of being quiet. There's the extreme of right when we get in the car, we're hammering them with, this is what you need to improve. What do you think you need to do? And like when you can really make it about it's a journey and there is time to get to work on these things. And my kid had a, a rough day out there. The last thing I want to do is keep that in his mind longer than he's already going to keep it in his head. You know, I struggled with that myself coming home after games. It would take me two or three days to get over it. I'd go hit for hours after I screwed up and had a bad game. Two minutes after the game finished, I'm in the, I'm in there hitting. Like, that's going to fix my swing, like, within two seconds. There's time to get after it, right, which is a consistency in working hard. And I think parents need to understand that, like, time's going to continue. We'll come back next week. We'll keep working on it. But the last thing I want to do is amplify this as more of a problem, right? I don't want to increase in the kid's mind that he's not good by talking about the things he's not doing well. Sometimes kids, when you talk about the improvements that they need to work on, if they don't have the right mindset around feedback, they just hear, I'm t- he's just telling me what I'm terrible at. You know, my dad's telling mm-hmm. me over and over again, don't drop your hands. That's a reminder in my mind, I'm dropping my hands and I suck, right? So why do I want to keep doing it? So every parent needs to understand their kid the best that they can, which is if you make it about building a relationship with your son or daughter, and trying to figure out what they think about things, make it more about that, then you might actually be able to help them by telling them, hey, this is maybe a better, healthier way to think about approaching this situation. But again, if you don't know, like I think a lot of parents assume, or even coaches, we can assume and make a a label about the kid without even talking to them. You know, on my intro calls with kids that sign up, I ask the parents questions and they tell me what they think the problem is. And I'm like, have you talked to your kid about this? Well, no, I just see it, you know, and I'm like, well, then you don't really know. 
like you don't you mm-hmm. and I both don't know. I can take your word for what you're telling me. Sometimes I get a text message from a parent saying, like, my son's freaking out. He's not gotten a hit today. I'll text the kid the next day. Like, How'd it go yesterday? He'll be like, great. I was I didn't get a hit, but I was focused on every rep. And I'm like, the parents saw something completely different happening from what the kid thought was going on. The kid actually was fine. So wow. we don't want to assume, right? So I think parents need to connect to their kids in the right way. Ask and make it about building a relationship with my kid that's supportive and encouraging and knowing when to turn the volume up for tough love and when to turn it down. But you don't know that unless you know your kid. And I think mm-hmm. as sad as it is to say, a lot of parents don't know their kid deeply enough because you focus too much on improving their skills and dropping them off at the next travel team. Instead of when you go outside to work on them, instead of saying you're dropping your hands every two seconds, Hey man, what are you thinking about everything so far? You know, are you, are you feeling good in the box or, you know, and just build the relationship with the kid. Cause as you and I both know, until I get a kid to trust me, he ain't going to listen to anything I tell him to improve, right? So I spend yeah. time on my calls learning about the kid. What are, you, what are you doing? What do you like about your sport and all that stuff? When they feel they can trust me, then they'll take my adjustments. If I had a yeah. dollar for every time, and then I'll shut up so we can get after something else. But if I had a dollar for every time a parent told me, I'm just his parent, he won't listen to me, right? Like I'd have a million dollars because- Me too. Well, why do you think he's not listening to you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why is he not listening to your to your advice? And if a parent was reflective enough in the mirror to kind of like dig deep into that, oh, well, I only say negative things or my tone of voice or it, it just to the kid, it's not being perceived well. Ask your kid what they want. I had a parent um, tell me a story. His kid got in the car. He did his normal thing about, he started getting on his, what he needs to improve two seconds after he had a terrible game. And the kid just started breaking down crying and looked up at him and said, I am trying my best to do well out there. And all you see are things that I'm not doing well. And the, the dad like backed up and just was like, this is where I know I messed up. I told him to ask your kid what he wants you to do at the games. And he's like, like, he asked me to go stand over on the sidelines to not say anything. I listened to him. Totally different relationship. So sometimes wow. we need to ask our athletes, how can, you know, what do you want from me? How do you want me to support you? I'll do it with the kids. I'm like, do you want me to text you throughout the week sometimes as reminders or are you good? I let them tell me what they need for support. Do you like it when I say this aggressively or does it bother you? You know, it actually bothers me, dad. I think like if you could maybe not yell it out from the dugout, that'll be cool. And then listen to them and do it. And I guarantee parents would see a huge change if they just ask their kids what they want them to do. Then when they see you working with them, now when you make the adjustment talk and conversation, they're going to listen to you. Okay, maybe dad's trying to help me now because he listened to what I asked him to do. So before I go down that road, because I could go down a road forever on those things. But yeah, what do you think about some of that, Ashley? What do you? What do I think about? I think that was probably my favorite part of this entire conversation. You know, our job as coaches is to help our athletes get uncomfortable, right? So that they can make adjustments and work on their game. This might have triggered some parents listening. And I just want them to know, we say this out of absolute love. We were both athletes. We know how athletes think too. And like, maybe you were an athlete too, but it's it's until, you know, if you were uncomfortable here, maybe it's because there is work that could be done. Like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can help your athlete um, become the best version of them by helping you, you two's relationship. Like I think- that is that is the goal. This is why we have this podcast. So, you know, parents, coaches, athletes can be aware of these things so that we can make adjustments, we can make changes. And I thought those were such great pieces of advice to almost open up that vulnerability aspect and, um, you know, encourage, just just encourage great greatness. I don't know how else to say it, but okay. So let's say, you know, an athlete is listening to this and you mentioned de- developing mindset around feedback. How can an athlete who who might get bad feedback or criticism from a coach and, and, it, and it hits them a certain way, Absolutely. how can they work on that? Absolutely. So feedback is super important. You can't really improve without being open to the criticism and stuff like that or the what, you know, I, I need to be open-minded to get uh, the improvements that need to happen. So it's part of the process. So I think one of the important things is to build that mindset around not taking things personal because you're going to play for coaches that yell, I can't control one coach versus the other coach with how he coaches. I think there's steps that you can do to have professional conversations with your coach to do what we're talking about with 
let your coach know that doesn't work for me. And if, could we meet in the middle with, you know, can you wait till I get in the dugout to yell at me or something like that? I was one of those guys where if you yelled at me on the field, I shut down. So I had to have a conversation with my college coach. I'm like, look, man, like it doesn't bother me that you get into the game, but like, can you just not do it while I'm out there? Cause I'm still trying to make plays. And once I acknowledged that to him and communicated, it changed everything. So he acknowledged, I'll wait till you get in the dugout to go over that stuff. So feedback wise, don't take it personal. These coaches are trying to be in the moment and win as well. And what I'll try to get athletes to understand is check check what they're saying, not the tone. So if a coach yells at me, I actually just had a conversation with a kid last week about this. He said his coach yelled at him when he made a mistake on the field. And I was like, okay, well, what were the words he said? Tell me exactly what he said. And he said, you're looking silly out there, blah, 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 blah. Next time do this backup second or whatever the thing that he wanted him to change was okay so i was like let's just read the sentence with no tone to it what does it say and then when you can dissect the sentence if there's something in there that you can take from it that's actually beneficial to make you better just absorb that delete the rest right Mm. so i think a lot of times when we hear tone we we focus on the tone and we go down this road of he's trying to be demeaning to me he thinks i'm terrible blah blah and we miss the actual adjustment So that's the first thing is I'm like, let's just make sure at least no matter how you felt towards the feedback that you just got, what was the thing in there that you can actually take from it, take a benefit to make you better, at least. If a coach is going to yell at me, was there something in there that I will actually improve myself as an athlete? That's the first thing. So separate tone from the logical statement. If If there's nothing in what he said that was helpful, This is where I try to get the athlete out of their comfort zone to repeat back to the coach to be clear that you do actually take something from what he wants you to improve. So if the coach just yelled at me and didn't have anything and no adjustments, I need that athlete to learn how to go coach. So what is the, what do you want me to, what do you want me to fix out there? So at least that does a couple things for us when we take feedback. One, it lets the coach know he actually needs to give you the adjustment and it lets you know, it lets the coach know that you actually do want to improve. Right. But it let the coach know you just didn't give me anything here. How many times have mm-hmm. you maybe played for a coach that the coach yells at you or points out the thing that you screwed up, but he didn't tell you the adjustment to improve. Right. So I'll be like, if you can, yell, like, if you're going to yell at me, at least tell me what you want me to change. But I need, I need the athlete to learn how to be assertive and stand up for themselves. If, you know, I don't take it personal, I might actually get to that moment of asking the coach, well, coach, what do you want me to change out there? What did I do wrong? Tell me so I can get better. And then if he's still frustrated, at least he might say, well, next time you got to back up second and be in this position. All right, boom. At least I got the adjustment, right? So I think when we take feedback, the main point of feedback is to improve. And no matter how coaches are delivering the information, I want to get that out of it. And if he gives it to me, regardless of the tone, I want to make sure I can logically hear it so I can move on. And then the second thing is if he doesn't give it to me, we got to get the athlete to stand up and be like, okay, coach, I know I screwed up, whatever, but what's the adjustment? And so I can actually improve because it's all about improving. I can't control how someone delivers. And in that last piece, can you really step out of your comfort zone to communicate to your coach at a more quiet time away from competition to go, this doesn't, a coach, like, I do want to get better, but the man, that shut me down. Is there a different way you can give me that information without yelling? Like yelling just doesn't make me play good. And I want to play good for me and my team. But when you did that, my skills just disappeared. Is, is there a different way we can do this? I, I want to get better though. I want you to tell me the adjustment. And that might actually build a nice relationship with your coach to, again, show you you care. And okay, maybe he will actually take some responsibility and ownership over how he was delivering to you. Because if your coaches want the best out of your players, I'm going to adjust to what works for my kid. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but you got to make that known to him or else he's going to keep yeah. coaching the same way. Right? So those are a couple right. things in there with take something good from it reiterate back to him so if he didn't give you the adjustment you actually get something from it so you can you can do better and then the last piece maybe you have to have a conversation with him that is very uncomfortable but will change the trajectory of the future uh relationship so you can go out there and he doesn't yell at you or something anymore and then outside of that if he doesn't adjust again can we not take it personal and it's just noise right but Mm -hmm. i'm always i'm always just trying to stay right here yeah, I think that is really good. And I think it can also be taken into like a parent's relationship as well. Like mm-hmm. my dad was my coach and my dad. So, you know, being able to work both ends, you know, stand up for myself in certain ways. I wish I honestly would have done it more. Yeah. Um, Cause I think our relationship 
would have been much better then. I mean, we have a great relationship now, but you know, there were things that I definitely took personally. And I do like the idea of bringing it up in private, some of this stuff, because, you know, some coaches like they obviously want to, you know, be a coach and be respected, but also, you know, if you're in front of the entire team, it can be kind of embarrassing as a coach to receive some of that information. So like find, you know, when is it a good time to say it, um, you know, in a huddle or when should I say it, you know, after the game under a tree, like with no one else there, you know, I think that's really, really good. Uh, We have covered so many things and I already know I want to have you back on to discuss more, Mm -hmm. but just so listeners can absorb all of these things. I know I'm going to be re-listening to this episode like three or four times because you dropped so many gems lane, like so Mm -hmm. many. I'm like, shoot, I need to make a quote graphic. I can take 25 things that you said from today, but you just have so much knowledge around this. And I just want to thank you for coming on um, and sharing everything. Where can people find you if they want to learn more from you? Yeah, I would just say the only really platform that I'm, I'm huge on is, is Instagram. And if you just go to at your formula now, uh, you'll see the formula page kind of pop up. And I just put little videos up there, little tidbits about different things or reels of some quick things where I have some messages on there. Um, but I would say that's kind of where I'm showing up the most right now. But yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. Awesome. I love the work that you do. There's so many ways to work with you. Um, I'll make sure all those are in the show notes. Um, would you be okay to do like a little rapid fire? Yeah, let's do to it. To end today? Absolutely. Okay, great. 100%. Um, I call these five to thrive. I mean, I figured you'd like that title as well. Love it. Uh, just because we're very similar in so many ways. Um, but I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up. Let's do it. Hit me. All right. Do you have a favorite quote that you know, you almost have as like a mantra. Do you have a favorite like quote around mindset that you really love? That is, that is a tough one because I know there's a billion of them for sure that I see things all the time. Um, I don't know. I think just personal to me, just thinking about my story, I would just say like, keep pushing or keep going. I think, or I think maybe pain doesn't last forever might be, might be a good one. Mm. So many times in these, I know we talked about adversity it won't last forever or this will pass is a big thing because in the moment yeah. it doesn't it feels like it's terrible or it's not going to so i think to continue moving on in the tough moment i think if you say like this won't last forever or this will pass at some point the pain isn't isn't forever something along those lines that helps me understand if i can just endure for right now i'll get to the other side of this mountain for sure so i think that's probably one of my favorite awesome awesome what is your definition of success i think oof, Again, you are putting me on a, a tough. I know. These are tough. Um, for success for me is staying in alignment with who you're trying to be, no matter what you're going through. I think if you can really make the character of who you are in all your circumstances that you enter, if you can stay in alignment and be you in anything that you're doing, everything grows you. And it's always going to be about how you do things versus what you're achieving. Again, like your desire to better yourself and learn every single day. I think that's the thing, continuing to fight for staying in alignment with who you are and not um, being fragile to break that. Like I think mentally tough is really sticking to your mentality in tough situations, right? So I think if you can understand who you are and your mindsets that go together, you can be mentally tough about being who you are in all your situations. I think that's true success and that'll take you a long way. Awesome. What was the biggest lesson college baseball taught you? My, oh my, Ashley. Um, One of the biggest lessons that baseball taught me in college at the college level, one of the biggest lessons that baseball taught me is, I think, to really thrive, really to, to do well, you need to have a strong support system around you. You cannot do everything in your mind. I don't care how mentally tough you are. At some point, I think you need to understand how important it is to surround yourself with great people, to look for who to be around and how to have the awareness to do that, I think is everything. I think you cannot really maximize on, I think people use that word potential, but I I don't think you can really climb the way you want to unless you're paying attention to who you're surrounding yourself with and making sure those people are people that want you to do well for you, right? Want you to want to actually see you succeed. So I think when you're looking for people that do that and they operate out of truth, again, telling you what you need to hear sometimes, not just what you want to hear, 
I think that's what baseball taught me. Um, I thought I was, you know, everybody else, I thought I was great. And then when I got there, I realized I wasn't the best. Um, but how much people helped me see the blind spots in myself to really unlock other things that I was unaware of. So you really need people supporting you, not just to improve, but when things get tough too, you want, you want the right people around you. So good. Number four. We're only on four. Sorry. No, we're getting there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you too long answers. I think, I think they need to be. No, quick. no. What I'm saying is these are hard for like, they are. it takes, it takes a little bit to think about, but I, I really am liking these a lot. Yeah. What is um, something that an athlete can start doing today to start working on their mindset? Like one thing that they could do like right now, as soon as this is over. Yeah. I would, I would say start with something simple. Um, I think referring back to the brain, the mind thing, like, is this, is this what I want to be thinking in truth? Um, and just keep it simple with it. Where am I trying to go? And is my mindset's my perspective, the story that's helpful or harmful to take that positive and productive action in the direction. I think that's where you start. I think having awareness of the thoughts, are those the thoughts that are forming the right perspective that I want to have and being okay with disconnecting from what everyone else is thinking and deciding for yourself, is this the mindset that I want to roll forward with? What story are you selling yourself on and what are you buying and purchasing, right? That's, that's what I used to say, like, that's the conviction. If I were to show up at your door and try to sell you on a product, I'm not going to say all the negative stuff of why this product isn't good or whatever, and you're not going to buy the product. So the product is you and how you view yourself and what you think you can do. And I'm always like, what are you selling yourself on in your own mind? What are you buying every day? Are you buying the version of you that you want to be? Or are you buying the version that's not helpful? So start with that. Just what am I thinking about myself? Who do I want to be? And is it helpful or harmful with my perspectives moving me in the direction that I'm trying to go? That's it. And if it's not, if you sit there and you go, these are negative, these aren't helping me do the task at hand in my performances, this isn't helping me take action to work harder, the perspective that I have on something isn't benefiting me, make the choice to ask yourself, what do you want that frame of thinking to be? And then buy it, sell yourself on it and keep it in your mind. Good deal. Now I'm gonna ask you the same thing for parents. What's one thing that they can start doing today? Is it the same? No, it's, it's a little, it's similar, but I think it's kind of going back to what we touched on a little bit with realize the impact that you have on your child with what you say. And if you're not living the example in your life of what you want the habits of them to adopt, then you need to do some self-reflection and start doing those things. You don't play a sport, but you can live what hard work looks like. You can live what discipline looks like in what you do. If you're not taking care of your body health-wise, physical, how can you yell at them to go do and, and live it in their life? If you show right. them, you know, I, we do not operate off of words. We operate off of seeing actions and people showing up. So you could tell me all the time that do this, do that, do that. Are you living the lifestyle? Because I'm going off of what I see happening. So I think parents need to understand the value of just like living it without saying it. If you want to ch help change your child's habits and behaviors, live them yourself and you'll see significant things start changing in the child's life. A lot of athlete or a lot of physically active parents that I see, I see a lot of physically active kids. I see healthy kids. I see good eating. Um, and again, just realize the impact that you have and the role you play as a parent, what the kid's responsible for and what you're responsible for. He can't drive himself to the grocery store and buy all the food right now. And unless he's, you're going to make him start doing that, it's your it's on you to go buy healthy foods and start establishing that kind of healthy habit in the household so what are you responsible for as a parent and understanding what you do really does have a significant i cannot say it enough has a significant effect on <laughs> what your athlete's going to do in their world 100 percent. it's it's not enough to just say go do this and sit back and then get on them and complain about all these other things. You want them to have responsibility, show them how to have responsibility. Do something about it in your world as well versus just dropping them. I give them all the tools. Have you heard this one before? I give them all the tools. I buy them all the bats. He's not doing it. And I'm like, well, what are you not doing to show him 
how to do it. Are you working hard? Are you committed to any goals? Do you have any goals in your own life as a parent that you're showing him that you have to face adversity and overcome? Right. So um, I always joke with athletes and tell them, like, I try to stay in the gym to show them that they're not passing me. Right. Because I don't want them to get ahead of me. So I'm but I'm, I'm really just going like I'm taking care of myself and you got to do it, too, man. So that when I say something, I'm not asking them to do anything that I don't do myself. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important. So I knew I spent an extra second on the parent one there. But I really think that is a, a self-reflection that parents need to look in the mirror and just go like, what am I doing? What am I doing and not doing? And am I establishing the right habits by living it um, and yeah. realizing the impact for sure? Yeah. You set the standard by what you do. Yeah, that's really good. I enjoyed this so yeah. much. Love it. I so appreciate, much. I appreciate it so, so much. I yeah. Think, uh, let me, this, this let me just take this time to say how impactful you are and what you're doing. Oh, stop. And you're changing lives. I, I, I really do. I love what you're doing. Every athlete that walks in front of you, I know is getting good stuff. I know is getting stuff that's helping them improve. I know your heart's in the right spot with wanting to help these athletes get to where they want to go. And I think that's important to reflect and understand as you're, as you're doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited about our friendship friendship, and see where it goes because I think there's a lot that you and I could do together. 100%. We're going to sure. them in the right direction. Starting here. Starting with this episode. Absolutely. You got it. I can't wait. Well, thanks so much, Lane. I appreciate you and the time that you just gave all of us. I appreciate it, Ashley. Thanks so much. Wow. We went so many different places in this conversation, but I'm so happy we did. The amount of one-liners that he dropped, like this one that I had him repeat, but I'm going to repeat it again. One bad thought is not a problem until you believe it. Then it's a problem. My mind has blown. And I'm definitely putting that as on a sticky note in my office. I hope that this is an episode that you can refer back to often. I know I will. Especially when you need a reminder of how you can master your thoughts to help you instead of hurt you from performing at a higher level. It's important. I learned so much in this conversation. Parents, I just want to let you know you are doing an incredible job. Truly, like you would not be here unless you wanted to keep learning ways to help you can be better for your athlete. And I know we covered a couple touchy subjects and honestly, it was uncomfortable for me to even talk about them and ask them, but I'm so glad we dove a bit into that communication piece because it's not easy. And personally, this is one that I'm still working on becoming better at for my athletes too. What we say matters and how we say it probably matters more. We're all in this together. And again, this podcast was built to help make us all better and I'm glad we went here. I'm glad we talked about this part because yes, it probably was my favorite one to talk about because it was uncomfortable. You can follow Lane and all of his work on social media and his website. And I dropped all of those links in the show notes. So check those out. Also, if you haven't already and are enjoying when the cleats come off, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. So you'll be the very first to be notified when my next episode drops. And also make sure to follow me on social media for some of the best quotes, tips, and clips from this episode. You can find all my social media platforms in the show notes. And thank you again for tuning in to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. And never forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. I'll see you next week.